Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to Legally Sound Smart Business. I'm Nasser Pasha. And I'm Matt Staub, two attorneys here with Pasha Law, practicing in California, Texas, Illinois, and New York. Yeah, welcome to our podcast. This is where we cover business in the news and add our legal twist, a little lemon twist of legalness <laughs> to it. Uh, and this is where you actually get to learn something while while enjoying the news of the world. Yeah. And it's just a great combination. Right. So... Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> it's how I like to start off most things I do is asking. It's, it's, that's not even really asking for a compliment. It's just assuming it's going to happen. So, Yeah, it's just stating fact and acknowledging the, the service that we provide. Yeah, hopefully we can deliver on that promise, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> so the services we're providing today is we're going to talk about how your business can respond to government requests. And I'm talking about anything from... A police officer showing up at your door wanting to get some kind of interview of one of your employees or if they have some kind of data request for your emails that you have for your clients, whatever it is, we're going to just go A through Z government requests for information, whether it's they're investigating you or maybe even your customers. Sure. And I think the important thing to remember right off the bat is anything that you've seen on a TV show or a movie, you can probably just forget that for for now because I don't think it's necessarily <laughs> going to be how things... Well, I, I think that's safe to say for a lot of legal legally related things, uh, especially anything inside the courtroom. But I, I feel like lately there's a move to truism in the sense that they try to make it as real as possible so they do some research on the law. And I think in the past they used to get away with a lot more. Like, for example, I bet you if they had a show like ER Today... Even back then, it was people were impressed with how much you know medical terminology they would use, but there was a lot of inaccuracies there too. I bet you, if they did it now, they would have to be much more higher up in their game and in, in actually making it as real as possible. Yeah, it's a good point. There's much more criticism online now, so you'd have to deal with that. And as accurate as you can make it, less, well, presumably less criticism. Who knows? But anyone that spends their time blogging about the inaccuracies in TV shows, it's time poorly spent and unless that's your sole job i guess all i know is a quick tangent is that <laughs> to tell you how real these shows are getting especially in the law i had one of our attorneys actually suggest a strategy based upon a show episode that i think it was the show was called power i've never seen it have you heard uh, of it he, is that the one for or power move or something like that is that the mark Garagos? i don't know show but all i know he came up with an idea and i'm like oh where'd you get that idea and he's like well this last weekend i saw this episode <laughs> <laughs> so i thought that was funny but. that's uh, that's the way for all legal strategy is to watch, watch yeah shows, exactly so. well all right none of our tangents let's get into what we're discussing today and i, th- I think the way to to look at it is you you alluded to it a little bit kind of put it in two different groups so you have government requests for as a business your clients information and then you have, on the other side of it, government requests for your own businesses or your company's information. So we're going to start things off on the client side. And I mean, obviously, the longer you're in business, the more likely you are to encounter one of these dealing with your clients. It's just the nature of it. And, and obviously, depending on the industry you're in as well, it could be <laughs> you could just operate a business that really you have your, your clientele is susceptible to 
some certain criminal things or what have even civil issues and the government's more inclined to come after them. But I think here's the thing to keep in mind from kind of a macro level is these government requests, rarely do they need to be responded to immediately. I mean, it's not like the government's going to necessarily be knocking on your door and typically it's something that's sent, you know, in writing and you know, follow the protocol. But I think the first thing to keep in mind is like, you're going to get it, you get a request and you're going to think it's urgent, but don't necessarily act on it right away. You're going to want to put some thought into it first. Yeah, usually they come in a formal request, some kind of writing. It'll even usually say you have X number of days to provide this documentation. And that's a great opportunity to basically reflect on it, talk to your lawyer. I mean, this is one of those things where when you ask a legal question and the answer is talk to your lawyer, people laugh like, oh, yeah. But this is one of those cases that every situation is very fact sensitive and Unless it's a routine request that you've you've gone through this with your legal team and understand the processes for that, you basically, in in general, obviously there's something in between. There's two choices, whether to comply with the request or to not comply with the request. And then there's stuff in between, whether you partially comply or whether you're going to object to it. But the point is, is that if you comply with the request incorrectly, you may be susceptible to liability with your customers if you don't comply with the request, then you may be susceptible to liability from the requester, like the government. And so you really have to make a very educated decision on this. It's not something to be taken lightly, which seems obvious, but you know, we have to say, <laughs> yeah, that. yeah, no, and it is, it's, it's the way I kind of look at it is if you're driving down the road and you don't want to veer off on the shoulder on the left side or the right side, left side being you know, your clients run issues there, the right side with the actual government that's making this request, you got to stay down in the middle of the path and make sure what you're doing is going to be compliant with, with both of those sides. And like you and I both said, oftentimes this is going to be something formal in writing, but you're going to have those instances where a little bit more rare, but the government's just going to show up and try to enforce something. And I think the perfect example of this was the issue that happened in Salt Lake City, uh, it, it was a pretty big story in the news, but for those that, that aren't aware of it, it was dealing with a hospital in, in Utah, like I said, in Salt Lake. And basically the police showed up and were seeking a blood sample from an unconscious patient. Apparently it had been a potential DUI situation. There was a car crash. They were trying to figure this out, you know, what exactly happened if this person was at fault. And the nurse, Miss Alex Wubbles, refused to comply, you know, in part citing the hospital policy. The actual, the hospital policy actually had something in place to how to follow these sort of requests or these demands. I'm going to say demand because we'll link the video. I think the, it looked a lot more like a demand than a request to me, but basically like I said, the police came in, said, give us a blood sample. She said no. Um, And the police then proceeded to arrest her and, (laughs) wasn't the best thing for them but i mean that was the i don't don't want the when you do watch the video i don't want people to think that she was wrong because everybody seemed except the police at the time everyone seems to think she was in the right here and from the looks of it i think she was yeah after this viral video came out this video actually came out much a much time after the incident happened and you just can imagine being the nurse you know this video's out there but you haven't released it yet but afterwards, there was this outcry against the police and how they acted, and the police department actually acted pretty swiftly, I, I think, in suspending the officer involved. By the way, I actually have the 
I'm not going to say this is an exclusive, but we have the actual raw 30-minute video of the body cam because most of the time when you look it up, it, you just come across that 30-second version, which is good and all, but if you're really interested in seeing how this came out, take a look. But the fact that this hospital and this nurse understood the correct legal position, I think is just remarkable. And the reason I say that is because a lot of their position is so up to date that it's based upon a 2016 Supreme Court case. So that means the Supreme Court came out with a case in 2016, and within a year, the hospital implemented a policy to that. That is, I mean, to me, it's unheard of in most of the corporate world to actually have such a responsive kind of a policy. So I, I thought that was pretty neat as well. Right. And just real quick on that Supreme Court case, basically saying a blood sample can't be taken uh, without patient consent or a warrant, which obviously there was no consent here. The patient was unconscious. There was also no warrant. But but going back to what you were just saying, I think it's impressive on two fronts. One, like you said, the the hospital implementing the policy was such a, a new decision, Supreme Court case decision. Then two, this nurse knowing exactly what to do. I mean, it's basically the the, the analogy is, you know, you have a, a, a cute, this is a football analogy, so hang with me here. I don't okay, I know I'm you're always attention. a little bit off. The, you know, you have a new, a quarterback goes to a new team, you get this brand new playbook in the offseason, and you have to memorize it. You know, you have to make last second audibles at the line of scrimmage. You know, you have to know that thing front and back. And this nurse, like you were saying, the hospital, they got it correct. They implemented, they had the policy in place, and the nurse knew exactly what to do, even when she was completely rattled by the police coming in and then eventually arresting her. I mean, she didn't give in to that sort of pressure either. So you really have to, I, I have to put a hats off to the hospital, but I think this nurse is, comes out as the most impressive in this situation, just knowing exactly what to do in this situation that I'm sure she'd never even practiced. Absolutely. and But you can tell that at least this person, this nurse has been trained to respond. Maybe not in this, this specific situation, but... Being able to understand that, okay, this is an issue, and I have to feel like the Supreme Court case was brief in some part, at least the policy was brief, because it's pretty specific in the sense that, let me just touch, Matt touched on it for a second, but I think it's interesting for some of our listeners, is that basically many states, I think all the states basically have this implied consent law, which basically says that, hey, if you're driving, we issue a driver's license, there's this implied consent that you are you know, you want to make this uh, street safe by opting into giving a breathalyzer. But then there were some states that said, okay, well, that implied consent also includes blood tests as well. So even if you're unconscious or if you refuse to do so, we can still get a blood test out of it. And Utah was one of those states, I think, uh, at least North Dakota was. And so it was a bunch of states that got together and this law was challenged in those states. And the Supreme Court said basically, look, we get the implied consent for breathalyzer, but when it comes to drawing blood, that's where we draw the line when it comes to privacy. And so I'm explaining it to you to kind of demonstrate there's nuance here. This is not straightforward. It takes a lawyer to actually draft the policy and then implement it in very plain, simple language so that it can be implemented from top to bottom. And so that when a nurse opens up a policy, not that they can't understand the nuance, but because it's because of these situations, that okay. I think I remember in the video she reads off, she's like, I can only allow you to take blood if the person's under arrest or you have a warrant. Is he under arrest? No. Do you have a warrant? No. 
and then I remember uh, you saw the probably saw the video. She calls her supervisor. The supervisor basically explains it's not the nurse. This is just our policy, you know, and it's according to law, et cetera, et cetera. And this is where the police gets really agitated and they end up arresting her. It pretty, it's, I mean, when you lay it out like that, it's pretty unbelievable that they arrested her. It just really makes no sense. And, you know, really quick, touching on the police, I mean, for, I think they're probably the profession that need to know the rules in place more than any other other job, just because not only do they need to know, but if they screw up, it's obviously a huge deal. Like, let's say this nurse, comparing it to the nurse. Let's say she didn't know this rule in place and just refused because it didn't sound correct to her. How much she can get in trouble is, is limited to some extent with the police. One screw up and it's a huge deal. I mean, if they do an act they're not supposed to or, or fail to act when they should, it's a huge deal. So I, I don't want to pile on too much on the police here. You know, they, it, they are dealing with a lot. But, you know, for, in this situation, just pretty unbelievable that they <laughs> they would arrest her given how it all played out. Actually, what you're bringing up is a good point. I think I want to touch on some of this when we get to the quest for the company, but just because they're the police doesn't mean that they are the authority. They definitely have authority, but it's only to a certain extent. And the only way that you're going to be able to defend the rights of your customers is to actually understand and know what they are. And especially if you're in a contemporaneous situation where you have a police officer knocking on your door like this, understanding the basics, at least, is, is important. Making sure that your employees understand the basics and are trained accordingly. So if you're in a hospital setting, this type of situation is foreseeable. If you run a store and let's say you have security cameras, right, that's also foreseeable. What happens when a police officer walks in and wants to look at your cameras, right? What kind of options do you have? It's, it's important to understand your rights. Yeah, and it, it just makes sense that it's, you know, any any sort of written request is, that's or that's going to be easy, right? You, you can figure that out. You'll have some time. But the really honing in on the training aspect of this with your employees. But when the cops or whoever do show up to the actual place of business, I mean, it's, you really need to have all the procedures in place to make sure you're going to be on your best behavior and, and do the, and make the right decision to this. So, you know, I, I again, I think she... And we, we'll move on from the nurse, I, but I think she did handle it as well as she could have. I, I don't know how she really could have done anything differently. I think it was just a uh, right place, wrong time, or I was going to say wrong place, wrong time, because that's the phrase, but I, she was in the right place. And I, and uh, unless I she was like uh, there when she wasn't scheduled, I'm sure it was the right time too. But but uh, but anyway, so okay, so just to wrap this up, a couple things that we can learn from this is that they had a policy, the nurse was well-trained with it, and it was the right thing to do. But even then, there was just to be hyper, hyper critical is at one point, the officer said that she was under arrest. And there was a, a tad of resisting there. She should have complied at that point because the general rule is this, and whether you're hospital center or not, unless they have a warrant or probable cause or you give them your consent, they don't have the right to search. Okay, That's the general. There's a lot of nuances to that. But just because if they think they have that, and even if they don't, you still should comply with the police officer's direction, right? If they are forcing themselves in, the, in your premises or they're restraining you physically, you still have to comply. Otherwise, you can open up to more issues. So I, the only kind of hypercritical thing that I would tell the nurse or for as a training video is that the nurse did the, the right thing by stating the company's position, but at 
the moment that she was told that she's under arrest, she should comply with those directions. Yeah, and I think, obviously she was in a tough situation, but if I had to assume what she was thinking or what was going through her head, is she probably had two big concerns. One, I don't want to do something that I know I'm not supposed to do in terms of with my employer, meaning I know what the policy is and I should be following it. I don't want to not follow it and then be disciplined from my employer. Obviously, that's a concern, but if the employer takes a uh, adverse employment action against her, it'll be fine for her at the end of the day. And then two, she was probably thinking, well, I don't want them to be able to draw blood from this individual when they're not legally allowed to, which... You know, I'm thinking of it now. It's easy. You know, if let's say they would have been able to draw blood, it wouldn't have been usable. I mean, it's they wouldn't have the law. But she's probably not thinking about that at the time. All this is going through. I, again, I think she handled it well. But you know, it's like you said. At the end of the day, what, oh, she she was put in a tough position, yeah. and frankly, she acted naturally. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm here sitting here criticizing this, but just as a learning tool, not her as an individual, because frankly, she reacted well. Anyone reacted yeah. being arrested unjustly, yeah. so. Yeah, but you, so moving on, I think you, you kind of let in a, a good spot here in terms of the, would you say if there's consent or a warrant or probable cause and compliance there, but so kind of touching on that there, when there's a request for data, your customer, your customer or client data, there's kind of, to me, there looks, there's kind of varying levels of, you know, what's requested and what's legally required in order to make these requests. So I think for all businesses, it starts off with your own terms and conditions and your own privacy policy, You know, at least when we're talking about data. I mean, what's contained in there? I know we've said this a million times before, but the important things with you know those terms of service and the privacy policies, if, and if you have to, obviously, have those policies in place, you need to follow them. I mean, I know it sounds stupid, but we, you know, we, we say this all the time and You'd be surprised how many uh, how many companies don't follow their own uh, terms of service and, and privacy policy. And, and the main reason for that is that they either copied and pasted or even had their lawyer do it for them, and they didn't really communicate what they wanted in their with with their terms of service, and so they don't even know what's in it, right? And so they don't follow it. Yeah. So that's something for businesses to consider once they get this request for data. And then two, you got to look at you know what exactly is being requested and. In terms of what's being requested, is the acting is the government that's acting have the the legal the legal necessity or legal requirement to request this information? So I'm talking about a few different levels. If there's a subpoena or a court order, or obviously the most serious and the most broad being a search warrant. Uh, we, you touched on that a little bit earlier. Obviously, if there's a search warrant and the police show up, it's a whole different ball game. But you know, kind of on those lower levels when, when there are these requests, I mean, you know, sometimes there's still is required that there be a subpoena or a court order in order to hand over that some certain information. Yeah. So, so for most companies, data requests are going to be the most common. Unless you run a hospital or something similar, you're not going to have these kind of contemporaneous requests from police officers. Most of the time, they're going to say that, hey, you have some kind of data on you have of your customers. And so we want that. And so, a couple good examples are Google and Airbnb. Now, every company that has a lot of data has dealt with this issue. In fact, most of them, especially these big tech giants or data giants, actually post their policies online. So we know exactly, at least what we're being told, of how the Googles of the world and Airbnb handle data requests. So for example, Matt was kind of talking about how there's differences between a subpoena and a search warrant. 
just to kind of give you an understanding of how nuanced this thing is when it comes to constitutional law, if for Gmail, Google will comply with a subpoena, but for Google Voice, which is basically a voice over IP service from Google, and and so in order to comply with the Google Voice request, Google will require a actual warrant which is a much higher level of scrutiny and actually requires for someone to show a judge that there's probable cause. And so how's a non-attorney or a layman supposed to make that decision? It doesn't work that way. You have to have your attorney review it, have uh, written policies down internally, and sometimes you have to have it externally to let your customers know because in some instances, Google will actually tell or email the users, hey, your data is being sent to the government and But most of the time that doesn't happen because there'll be some kind of gag order because like obviously the uh, government agency is not going to want to tell you that they've actually looked into uh, your, you know, your data. Yeah. And you mentioned Airbnb and I think they're a nice case study for this too. So they have a few varying levels. So you know, I, I think everyone knows what Airbnb is, but for those that don't, it's, you know, like the, you can rent somebody's house or condo for a day or for however long, but so they have emergency requests, and that's, you know, if, if they believe that a danger of death or serious physical injury, the law enforcement agents may make this emergency disclosure request to them. So that's kind of the most pressing issue. And then in terms of the, the data side of things, so for, so for non-emergency information requests, a valid trial, grand jury, or administrative subpoena is required to compel the disclosure of basic subscriber records. So like you were just saying with Google, uh, that's kind of that lower level uh, threshold there. A court order required to compel the disclosure of certain other records pertaining to an account, not including the contents of communications. And then for the content of communications, a search warrant is required. So it's, it's similar to Google, like you were just saying, but Airbnb lays these out very clearly. That's why I said it's a great case study. It's a good example to go off very clearly in their I don't know if they, I don't think they call it their terms of service. It's just some kind so, of policy, it's under their, right? Yeah. Right, right. And they also, too, they also have a section for how they notify. I mean, they basically say, look, we, we have a policy of using commercially reasonable efforts to notify users in the U.S. when we receive, we receive legal process from a third party requesting user data. So, you know, that's, I think they've done a pretty, pretty nice job in kind of maintaining both sides of this, complying, but at the same time, making sure that the government is, uh, correctly requesting whatever data they're requesting yeah i thought i did think it was funny though you saw how they you're supposed to make an emergency disclosure request so yeah in the case of an emergency and they define it as involving danger or death or serious physical injury law enforcement may email them with emergency disclosure requests in the subject line and it's just like oh no don't bother calling us because we're you know if it's an emergency you know the best way to contact us is through email yeah, I, I hope and assume that email is monitored yeah. 24-7, 365. I, I think it would probably have to be. And I, I mean, I'm sure they get some, I, I'm sure a good amount of those requests are not a good, but at least some of them are not actually emergencies. If you've ever heard like the 911, sure. sub 911 calls of what's an emergency and what's not. I mean, it's, I'm sure they're not all that pressing, but yeah, it's, you make a good point. But yeah, I, I agree that Airbnb is a good example. They'll basically disclose to the user if they can, just like Google will. So, And I think that's good practice. If you have government requests, unless you have any of your terms and conditions, there's nothing obligating you to tell your customer that, hey, 
the IRS just requ- requested some, you know, some computer records or whatever. But uh, but if you have that as a, your terms, then you may be required to do so. And I think that's good practice, right? Yeah. If you've ever if you ever looked at contracts where there's confidential information that's being disclosed as well, you'll notice that sometimes there's provisions in there about you know this information has to be. Con- remain confidential, but there's some exceptions, one of which is usually something along the lines of what we've been talking about here, government requests. And the good agreements will have something about that in there stating that before providing whatever information is being demanded or requested, you have the obligation to notify, you know, the other side, the side that has this, that, you know, produce this confidential information prior to disclosing it to uh, whatever third party. Unless you're prohibited to. I think that's a great yeah, example yeah. of that for sure. So we've covered so far are requests that have to deal with, as a business, your client's information. But what about the situations where the requests are actually for your own information of your own company? It changes a little bit. And I'm sure the way you kind of handle it changes a little bit too, you you as the business owner. Yeah, I almost feel this is easier because it's one of those things where if you're responsible for someone else's information, then it's it's a lot harder to deal with. But when it's your information and it's your defending, then I feel like it's a little more straightforward. I think just as critical, and I think the rules are pretty much the same. And I think I was thinking about this earlier. I think the important thing to remember is that when it comes to authority and different government organizations, I agree we should have some reverence to them, but be careful because sometimes they'll come at you in a way that is very innocent when it's not really. And I've seen clients get fooled many times over by volunteering information more than what they are required to do so, and it just gets them into trouble. It's like, oh, well, they're asking for this information or they want to do an audit, so let's just give them everything. And that's not exactly how you do it. There's always reasons why you you should just be careful. And a good example is how, just look at how Google refuses to comply with the Department of Labor. They were sued by the Department of Labor this early this year for basically gender discrimination, uh, for having salary gaps in their salaries. Yeah, so so basically this re- this request or demand was made by the Department of Labor to turn over this uh, the salary data for uh, all the employees here. And Google just said, look, we're not going to do that. And so Department of Labor tried to compel the disclosure. Ultimately, uh, Google the, uh, Google's argument was, look, we're not going to comply because the request is overbroad, because it's violating the employee's privacy rights, and it's too costly. And the interesting thing is a judge agreed with them. And I, I, I'm not sure exactly how much all of the, you know, I have my own opinions on some of these. I, I don't know how costly it would be, honestly, for Google to comply with this or you know, what have you. But, you know, it's like you I think this is an important point. It's like you were just saying, it's just because this request is made, don't just comply with it. I mean, obviously, if you're not going to comply, you have to have a legal legally sound reason to do so. You can't just say no, unless you want to go to court and potentially lose. But you know, the, the way I look at it is this, the, what I compare it to is if you're, you know, for your, if you're in a trial and you're ta- you, you have your main witness and you're, kind of, you're preparing them for the cross-examination, you tell them only answer the, you know, unless I'm objecting, only answer the questions that are asked. Don't answer anything else. At best, it's a neutral, at, at worst, you know, you're disclosing something that you don't think so, maybe you don't think it's a big deal, but it could end up being a huge deal and you just don't even realize it. Yeah. A v- very common issue. 
And here, you know, let's just look at this Google thing again. It's that let's assume what they're saying is true. That, uh, and I think that's fair to assume, is that they say that they looked into this data internally and they have 21,000 plus employees and we looked at all our data and it, and we can't find a gender gap. It's not there. But the Department of Labor is suing them for that, and meaning that they want to show liability that, yeah, there there is a gender gap and we want to prove it by just looking at all your data, give it, give it to us, right? Yeah. So from Google's perspective, it's like, look, this is just a phishing expedition. Your requests are overbroad. It's going to take us a bunch of time to do it. And all it is is going to uh, expose the privacy rights of our employees. And you're going to end up finding that there's no gender gap anyway. Or you're going to kind of construe the data in your favor. Or you're going to find something else to try to incriminate us for. So what is our incentive to comply with your request? And if we can legally defend and oppose your request, why not, right? Yeah. And this is just a matter of protecting your own interests and rights. I've seen many times government investigations, whether it, started as a, it starts as a routine audit and then it just bellows from there into something much more, into fraud, into this. Sometimes it's not as the companies and the people behind it have good intentions, but they make mistakes, right? And you know, why would you expose those mistakes outwardly to these government requests when you don't have to? Right. I think you just you nailed that. It's you 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 think you're trying to do the the right thing or a good thing or, and comply, but it could be compromising you down the road, and you just don't even realize it. Like not to I know we don't talk about too much tax stuff, but same. It's the same if you're getting audited by the IRS. It's you know you. <laughs> I've had I've seen situations where somebody is getting audited for one thing, and the IRS, you know, if all the information is provided to them, and it opens up another door, and there's another line of liability there, and you know, it could have been prevented by only providing what, whatever information was needed. Um, just like in this case, I know I'm not, and again, I'm not comparing the two, saying don't comply with the IRS. You know, it's but the the thing that it's the same with this too just make sure you have the legal counsel there and they'll guide you into you know if you need to comply and if you do how how to go about it and what really needs to be turned over yeah i think that's a clear distinction we should make you have to comply with every lawful request what we're saying is that not all requests are lawful and in order to determine whether it's lawful or unlawful Frankly, you need a pretty decent attorney to help you through that process. And and I'm talking about not all attorneys are the same in this uh, sense that you may need a criminal law attorney. You may need an administrative law attorney that is familiar with that particular agency, whether it's you know in healthcare or in tax, right? In other words, a criminal attorney is not going to be able to help you with an IRS audit, right? Uh, well, most are not, right? So having the right attorney, the right tool for the job is also extremely important as well. Right. And I think that's that's kind of the connection between the two different groups we talked about in terms of, you know, request for client information, request for your own company's information is, you know, have the, have the correct legal counsel there, have the plan in place. And from there, it's just execution. All right. Well, I think that's it, right? Uh, well, thanks for joining us. And uh, that's our podcast for now. I think our next episode will be in a few weeks from now. Yep. As always, keep it sound and keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Staub. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. 
Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.